I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hello folks and welcome to Frack Stars, your bi-weekly guide to all things Battlestar Galactica. And this week we're we'll going to be in Cobalt's Last Gleaming Part 1 and 2. So we'll treat them as one episode. So if you've only watched Cobalt's Last Gleaming, then pause, go and watch Part 2, come back, press play. There you go. Otherwise we're going to spoil the hell out of you. So, as always, here to help me get through this, um, with... The only way that he can, as long as he doesn't lose his button, is Steve. Ah. Hi, Steve. Hello. And returning from somewhere in the Outer Hebrides, where they film Stargates and stuff, is Sander. Hello. That totally broke my frog, man. Yeah. And uh, a glutton for punishment. As he's stuck around to do another episode with us. He's Drogon. Hi, Drogon. I think I can bear the pain for a little bit longer. Yeah, well, this one's not as painful as the last one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should hope. Uh, yeah, so this time, folks, we might actually talk about the episode we're reviewing. <laughs> yeah, last week we sort of went a little bit off track. <laughs> a couple yeah. of times. 
We talked about Marvel. We talked about Netflix. Like, Netflix, send us a check. You know, definitely for sponsoring you. And, yeah, we talked about slots and toasters. And, and, and see-through dresses. Don't forget see-through dresses. Oh, see-through dresses. Oh, speaking of see-through dresses, can I start off this episode by, you know, letting everyone know that, like, during the first two minutes of this episode, guns are everywhere, right? In every scene, there's a gun. Okay, so you start off with Hilo running around, or sorry, you start off with Adama and Apollo boxing. So they had their big guns whacking each other back and forth, right? Then Hilo's running around with a gun, throwing around everywhere. Then Starbucks in bed with Apollo with his gun. And then it goes to no, Sher- she's in bed, no, she's no, in no, bed no, with Walter. No, 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 no. She's if you go back and watch it, she's in bed with with with, with, with Lee. No, no she's, she's in bed with Walter. She's fantasizing that it's Lee. Yeah, it says it, his name. Exactly, exactly. She's fantasizing. So in the actual first scene, when it it's trailing up their feet, and then the knee and the buttocks where the gun is, and then to the chest, he actually he turns his head. He doesn't face the camera, but he turns his head away from the, the camera, and he has short hair. It is not Baltar. It is absolutely 100% not Baltar, because I'm watching it right here, courtesy of whatever video yeah, watch the web thing. This is this is literally after the party on Colonial Day. That's where this yeah. episode starts. And, and you're supposed to think that she is hooking up with Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Because the end of that episode with them dancing together. Actually, it ended the the episode ended with her and well, yeah, it ended with her and Lee dancing. But before her and Lee dancing, it was her and Baltar dancing. Yeah, but yeah. you're supposed to you're supposed to because you're following it straight on from Colonial Day. You're supposed to believe that she's actually fracking Lee. Yeah, um, and then we find out when she calls Lee's name out and a certain person's ego get shattered into a million pieces that yeah. she's actually doing Baltar. And that's when the other head pops up. Uh, yeah. I said that wrong. Uh, yeah. But I literally meant the other head. Baltar's head pops yeah, up. Yeah, Baltar. And then the he different hairstyle pops up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally different hair. Totally different hairstyle pops up. And um, then the whole time he's, he's shattered beyond belief. I know, right? His mouth is like oh, like, you know, like it's just like hung. His, his mouth is like hung wide open and the whole time since his mouth is hung open the other Sharon Boomer because uh, well the other one's not named Athena yet so the Battlestar Galactica Boomer Sharon is trying to swallow her gun yeah see there's guns through this whole goes through the whole thing yeah yeah so we've got uh, Baltar getting his gun tied with by Kara <laughs> uh, we've got Boomer Mark 1 playing with a proper gun uh, by con- trying not trying to shoot herself but not being able to actually pull the trigger and then on Caprica we've got Hilo who shoots Boomer Mark 2 mm-hmm. um, and then just to wrap it all up in a nice little happy bow Rosalyn finds out that her cancer treatment isn't going too well she's got 6 months to leave so, it's a really, so she's really, under really the happy start to the episode so she's under the gun. I never thought about that one because the other gun one was uh, was Adama put his gun right to Lee's chin and knocking him flat on his ass. Yeah, I, well, which Lee says I thought we was only sparring. 
Yeah, and he said, and, and Adama said, that's why you never win. You're supposed to lose control. You need to lose control. Follow your instinct, which was something that will call forward later on. Yeah, but the, the other thing we didn't say, I thought it was only sparring. He gave, he gave you enough his back down. Exactly. I don't, did he actually, I don't, I don't remember. Did he, he or, did he or did uh, the elder Adama take a dive? Yeah. No, yeah. I think he got a bunch of rib shots. Ali got a bunch of rib shots on his dad, and then he keeled over. He didn't go. He didn't go off his feet, and then I think Ali said, "Are you all right?" And then Adama just like shook it off, and all of a sudden lost control, and then just totally put it to his chin. And then he's like, "Are you all right?" <laughs> yeah, no, it was just a, a big um, rib shot that um, Lee gets in with his dad. But that's it. He didn't do any sort of knockdown at all. You can you can imagine the kind of childhood that Lee must have had. It's definitely kind of the the kind of dad who would not let him win, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know most most dads uh, every now and again let the kid win, otherwise you're going to completely demoralize him. Yeah, I'm actually watching the scene right here right now. Lee sticks his chin out. He has his glove up right next to his face, and he's like mocking Adamo. And then Adama keeps taking a wild swing at it. And then on the last swing, uh, Lee fakes and does a, like an uppercut, but not to the chin, but right into the rib and like knocks the wind out of him. Right. And then he goes and he walks it off. He didn't knock him off his feet, but it's it's like the whole like, are you all right? It's like you're like toying with me the whole time. And then uh, I think that's where if I was Adama, I would like, Okay, <laughs> yeah, I see where you're going here, and yeah, you're getting it next time, you know. It's also an interesting contrast because basically he knocks Lee on his ass and mm-hmm. damages his ego, and at the same time, Baltar's getting his ego knocked on the ass by yeah. not being the gigolo that he thinks he is. He's just a gigolo, and obviously, um, Boomer's ego is at about the lowest point it's ever been. Yeah, yeah, because she like is completely up, struggling with who she's trying to come to terms with who she is. It's hard to watch that scene of Boomer. Very hard. Yeah. How how was it hard for you, Zander? Well, just you know, she's at that precipice. You know, where do I pull the trigger? Do I not pull the trigger? You know, it's like you know the ending of one's life. It's it's hard. Um, you know, lots of people have different, you know, look at things differently because of your backgrounds or our experiences. And, you know, just from my own aspect, I find scenes like that hard to watch. Yeah, I know what you mean. I can, I can, the scenes of uh, suicide or attempted suicide, I find difficult to watch as well for personal yeah. reasons, uh, which I'm not going to go into on a podcast. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, but you're, you're certainly not alone in having those personal reasons. Those scenes can be very, very difficult to watch. Exactly. Lots of people. Yeah, yeah. But they're meant to be. Yeah, they're yeah, not meant to be. It's made to pull at your heartstrings. Yeah, and it's definitely not played for laughs or anything. Yeah. No, the whole the whole of his opening, uh, with, with all the different facets and all the different characters, every solitary one of them is is done somber. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no attempt at brevity or anything. It's like. This is what's happening. This is why it's happening. This is this is how hostile this situation is at the moment. Yeah, yeah it's not a, it's not a happy opening, in for anybody. It's not really yeah. a happy episode. 
<laughs> and I can't even remember. I can't even remember, you know, even through Colonial Day, and Hand of God, and the other ones. I can't even remember why Sharon is trying to do what she's trying to do on board Galactica. I can't even like. Okay, so at first she thought she was a Cylon. Turns out, you know, we'll we'll just we'll say if she is or not in a couple minutes. But you know, the whole water, you know, the water being blown up on Galactica, her finding the bombs, her having these little blackouts. Then Chief Tyrrell breaks up with her, and then someone writes Cylon on her locker. You know, I think that part was her. I think she because it was never ever. There's two things that was never ever explained in the series. One was where did you know, where did Adama get that letter at the end of the miniseries? You know, there's like a letter that he got that explained that there's like so many different models of Cylons, right? And then the other one was who wrote Cylon on Sharon's locker? I think it was her, 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 her subcon, because the farther we go at the end of the season, her, the subconscious, the programming, is asserting itself so I think she's the one you know that's the breaking point for her and that's the only thing that makes sense to me why here it is two or three episodes later we're finding her at this point fighting with her own mortality I, I think you're absolutely right about that because since she had been a sleeper agent you know she had believed she was this person and now that identity is breaking down and she's yeah blacking out you know the thing where she sabotaged the water she had blacked out during that didn't know mm -hmm. she did it until she woke up soaked with um uh, the detonator and uh, as far as the other unexplained mystery goes i think baltar left that note yeah well, the, the six the six in his head when you the six in his head um, told him there were 12 then we find out who leaves that note um in the plan i watched the plan i don't remember that it's been a long time since i watched that one I think now. <laughs> <laughs> so many episodes and so and many. If I remember correctly, I would rather watch Colonial Day than The Plan because The Plan <laughs> was really a long ass boring movie. Oh, I loved The Plan. I thought it was completely boring. Oh, I loved the way it just filled in all the little gaps and just joined everything it, up. I think it's it only great. works is if you watch it like right after what, like season two? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, when it, when it actually came out, which was like two or three years after the season finale, it was like, eh, or the series finale is just kind of not exciting enough. Yeah, I was like, never seen before it, footage. It works if seen. it's an episode. Yeah. Not a movie. Yeah. I would like to actually see some more movies like Razor come out for the Battlestar Galactica. But supposedly they're actually making a Hollywood movie Battlestar Galactica that's been in the works for a while but that's a different different thing altogether and, but okay, the funny we're... thing is oh sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but the funny thing is while start uh, the Battlestar Galactica Boomer is fighting with her morality uh, Boomer back on Caprica is fighting with her humanity because she's she's switching just like the other one is switching in the beginning she wasn't a sleeper agent. She was there the whole time. Her job was to, you know, knock boots with Hilo and get some baby action happening and then take over, you know, make the new messiah, so to speak. But now she's fallen in love with Hilo so much. She's like, you know, kill me. I'm so sorry. I betrayed you. Like, 
I am your love slave. Kill me. I am not worth it. And then he actually goes and shoots her. Like, holy domestic abuse, Batman. <laughs> yeah, but come on. You just found out your girlfriend is a robot. Wouldn't you just shoot her? I'd ask for an upgrade. Sorry. <laughs> Are you Windows 8.1? <laughs> does your wife listen to these shows? I hope not. <laughs> she does. She does. As long as she wasn't Windows in me. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, just done about full slot toaster again. Yeah, that's the dishwasher. But yeah, but she also like one minute she's saying just go ahead and get over, get on with it, as in shoot me, and then later on she goes, oh by the way, I'm pregnant. And she probably didn't think he'd shoot her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she didn't quite think that one through, and then when she did, she's like, uh, damn, you know, the dude's really shitty at shooting, <laughs> you know. You yes. think after being a marine fighter pilot, all that stuff, you think you would actually hit the mark? Yeah, although unless he intentionally aim for the shoulder, because we have seen him pop Cylons. Yeah, he's not a stormtrooper. No, that's for sure. No, he can actually hit things. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, getting back to the storyline, <laughs> we, we spent so long the on just device. the uh, opening. <laughs> <laughs> I know, this tells right? you how good this episode is. Well, the opening takes another twist today because Baltar, ego suitably shredded, uh, turns on six, uh, and then he goes and plays cards with his basically opposition for Carter's affections and verbally spars with Apollo. And Apollo just thinks it's all part of the card game until Star Wars walks it together. in. Uh huh. Then Lee starts to put the pieces together. Yeah. He was fracking the wrong poster. Yeah, and then he becomes jealous. So, Baltar's jealous of Lee because she called Lee's name out while they was doing it. And then Lee's jealous of Baltar because he's actually done it. Actually, if I could take a second here, the way that you've explained it, the opening, or well, this last little sequence, is reverse of the way it actually happens on the show. Because he goes, he gets drunk and he plays cards. Then he goes and he talks to, then he goes and talks to to Laurel, uh, Laura, as the president. But the thing is, since you said it that way, it actually makes more sense your way. I think they actually made both scenes backwards, where he tells off Six, tells off Laura, you know, then tells him he's stressed out, he wants he wants a break, and then he goes gets drunk and does the whole thing because I can't see him going three sheets to the wind to uh, to uh, Colonial One and then try to be the vice president. Your way makes sense. I think they actually put, when they edited they put those scenes in backwards. The way the way they filmed them to the way they broadcast them, you mean? Yeah, the way they the way they broadcast or the final editing. It's it's him, uh, him and Lee get uh, he's getting drunk playing cards. He, uh, you know, does the whole thing with Lee. She walks in, and then he takes off, or she takes off. Then it switches to him being at the office with uh, Laura and Six, and then he tells them all he wants a break. He totally spazzes out on them, right? That's the way it's on film, but I think it's correct the way that you said it. He was actually there first. He tells off Laurel, uh, Laura, sorry, different show, uh, Laura, and yeah, this uh, is not six. Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you if you will catch that, right? And then he goes after his he takes his break, he goes, gets drunk and plays cards. 
your way makes more sense than the actual way that they edited the show together. Yeah. Well, so I'm giving you credit. I totally you. got credit. Thank you. you should be a director. Yeah, I should. You should I'll be go, like the I'll host of the show. Head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that scene on Colonial One where he says, I'm not your thing, which he's actually saying to Sick, but Rosalind thinks he's saying it to her. I know, right? I just think that, that is, I mean, Steve Siddeley's not much humour in this episode, but I thought that bit was funner. Yeah. He's having he's having a rant at six and Rosalind thinks he's having a rant at her. It's just it's just brilliant. Like, like Baltar is one of the consistently funniest characters on the show. He is. It's just like I don't know. I can't wait till the fourth season because he just it just gets nutter nuttier at the fourth season. But I still can't believe people had all those conversations around him and he was whacking off in the uh in the uh the lab with the Cylon detector way back like you know like six seven episodes ago see the other thing that this piece played into with me is um six warns Baltar after his little rant that it's not safe on, on Galactica he needs to get off the ship so knowing what we know now I'm now I'm now thinking did she do that to punish him for turning on her? Yeah. Possible. Because the outcome of these two episodes, you know, if he was to have stayed on Galactica, he would have, he, it would have just been a cake, walk, cake, walk in the park, a uh, cakewalk. Yeah. And none of what's going to happen would have happened. But he needs to get down to that planet. Oh, what planet are we talking about? Uh, you'll find out in a minute. <laughs> but he needs to get down to that planet. So he can see the baby. Oh, what baby? We'll find out in a minute. <laughs> and not just that, too. It's a pivotal character development moment for him. Uh-huh. He gets the bigs. Yeah. And we also have the other thing, like, like Trogan just said about Elo being a, a really bad shot. We also find out that Galactica Boomer is a really bad shot because despite putting a gun in her mouth, she only manages to shoot a cheek. Yeah, she blows out the side of her face, like, just her little cheek. you think there'd be enough percussive... Actually, I like the makeup they did. They did kind of a good job on the makeup. But I kind of think these pistols, when you see the damage that these guns do to the Cylons, I think that would just take off the whole side of her face. Well, not just the Cylons. If you just look at when... Hilo goes to shut her up when she's in the rain and he just takes a shot and it's a big chunk out of that um, concrete pillar. Yeah. But the thing is, I think that was more to do with they were trying to show how conflicted she was um, due to, sort of, as Six said, her Cylon side fighting with her human side. Yeah. Um, her pretend human side, I should say. And not to mention, well, let's not forget the fact that the whole time Baltar sits down next to her, gives her the whole like little song and dance that it's okay if you want to do that, do it, follow your heart. And the whole time, Six is like watching him, like, I can't believe you just said that. That's like the most sincere, heartwarming suicide note ever. But Burma does redeem herself because she finds Cobalt. She does. She finds everything. I know, have you noticed that? Yeah, I told they want to find something. Send Boomer, she'll find it. Perhaps it's case, not. I'm still complete. looking for my cables for, to connect that hard drive up from my laptop. Yeah, just send Boomer out for it, mate. She'll find it. 
I would have had my laptop up and running by now if I sent her out to find the cables. Yeah, but Drogon makes an interesting point. She might have been programmed with all this information. Since, as we find out in that scene where she finds the planet, Cylons already know where it is. Yeah, Cylons are already there. Or wait, we find be... that out later. No, but they could have just found it because the instruments are better. So they're staking out places that they could go, as we've already determined, and they already are following. Yeah, because they were staking out the uh, the asteroid. Yeah, I don't think they already knew where it was. Well, otherwise they, they would have been. But there they might have found it first. The Cylons have been out in space for what twenty years or forty years? Forty, 40 years. 40 years. forty years. So they could have already been at Cobol. They already know. They probably already knew it was there because there's one base there, and I think there's a couple, couple um, fleets of uh, fighters, a couple squadrons. You know, just like in a couple episodes back, they're already, they already had a full refinery working in the asteroids. And I think uh, next season, I think we find them again farther out. Something that they they've been there for a while. So. No, it's that uh, it's that big temple thing. They're already at the temple. Yeah, which and yeah. we find out it's the temple because Rosalind has another vision. Yeah, but that's for another show. <laughs> that, that's, this, that's this episode. That's yeah. this episode where Rosalind. Oh yeah, has the vision. arrow points the way to that temple to find. Yeah. Yeah, because she looks. She place. looks at the satellite map. She's going. This isn't ruins. This is a city, and they're like. Uh, no, and she has another look, and it's then just ruins. <laughs> no, I'm talking about a, nef- a different temple. They find that temple next to the the eye of the nebula. I think it's at yeah, the end of next season. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's with Chief Tyrrell. Cool. That's that's season yeah. three. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, that's on the next episode. Yeah, well, the silence were already there, so they were already that far out. So it's not a hard stretch to imagine that these no, silence were already when, here. That's then when they went to came to Cobol. Um, when they've been following, because that's on the episodes coming up, because they're tr- both trying to get to it. No, I know what he means. It's, the, the, it's way ahead, and they find a they find um, base star, and everyone on the base star is dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's 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 in the path of galactic, so they were they were way ahead of the humans. Yeah, but that's that's down the line. Getting back to this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rosalind has a vision. She sees the city, the priestess then opens basically their version of the Bible up and shows it a picture which can which is basically what Rosalind's just seen, which is what we've just seen via Rosalind. Uh, and so then they realise they're playing cobalt and so they send some raptors to do a ground survey and that's when we find out that the silos are there. Now I have a problem here. My problem is not with sending the raptors down. My problem is with the Bible and the survey pictures and like even her vision okay well let's let's think 2000 years ago the 13 tribes of cobol left cobol right the 13 tribes they the earth went one way uh and then the other ones went the other way and made the colonial thing and then they had the colonial charter and everything so they had space travel at this point, obviously, because they left the planet. They left the freaking planet. I would like to assume that because they left the freaking planet, that there's technology there. 
And I also would like to assume that this is like technology that's above our current because we can't currently fly to another, you know, uh, galaxy or solar system at the current point. So I would like to think that their their technology has evolved way past our own at this or probably mirrors the technology that they have on the uh, the colonies. So where is all this freaking technology? You know, if they all lived on this planet, how come they only found one city? And if there's only one city, even in a nuclear blast, there should have been like skyscrapers, stuff like that should have been seen. Should have been not everything. Even the Bible. I laugh at the Bible. Even the Bible, everything was hand hand drawn. So if they could fly 2000 years ago to be able to go to the new colonies, how come no one took a picture? (laughs) <laughs> you know, and put it in the Bible. They can take a freaking picture. Anyway, that's just my yeah. What was you going to say, Stu? I was going to say regarding buildings and things like that. Um, how many things have lasted sort of two thousand years here? Um, so there are some things that have lasted, but that's with people trying hard to sort of keep them intact. But uh, most of it's just gone. So I would expect to not see that much in the way of ruins. Well, if you take things that have survived on this planet, obviously the pyramids, first thing that springs to mind, that's 4,000 years old. Stonehenge is 6,000 years old. Uh, the Aztec lines are 2,000 years old. Um, so there is like, at least very, very few and far between that's actually survived. So, mm-hmm. And that's touching down on one small spot on a Earth-like planet. So basically, if I landed in the middle of Vancouver, I would see trees, but it wouldn't give me an indication of what was on the rest of the planet, which is why I think they sent the raptors to do, because he actually says, get a survey team, find out what's on that planet. But they never got to do that, and they just happened to crash land by the temple. So that's the way I always view this episode for me. But they took the pictures, the the boomer a boomer's flight out there. She didn't go with the, with the wave of free flap raptors. She went... Uh, they found it by accident, right? The first off, and then she took survey pictures from up there. So it just happened to be that she took a picture of the surface, and I, I like to think that there's more cities on there. Yeah, than the one yeah. picture that she took that, she, that they zoomed in on because they didn't. If, I don't. If you take the Mars Explorer mission, now that's orbiting Mars, mapping Mars, it's been doing that for what about five years, something like that, mm-hmm. and it's it still hasn't done the whole planet. It's yeah. still working its way around. So one flyover and you're clicking away with, you know, whatever photographic equipment they use, you're clicking mm. away. All you're going to do is take pictures of what you did on your flyover. Yeah. So, so basically, that took, you could take pictures of a strip of the of the world. We've just got to think okay. back to the episode when they're looking for Starbucks and they've got all those ships out Yeah. how long that took. But that's not not necessarily my point, what I have a problem with. What I really have a problem is, how did they leave Cobalt? How did they leave Cobalt? Did the gods pick them up and move them? Were they like just tribes of idiotic, dumb cavemen? And were they planted on these other planets? Or did they fly off by themselves? Because I tend to think that they flew off by themselves. And if they flew, then obviously they would have the technology to be able to take a simple photograph. So, the, you know the problem I mean? with this this whole thing is we don't know why they left Cobble, or how. 
This is yeah. what strikes me as Yeah. They could yeah. have had spies travel. But it might have not have been FTL travel. So it took it could have took them a long time to get to where they are when they founded the colonies. Yeah, and even if like that's that's the thing. If they went off by themselves in their own ships, then how come no one took a picture? You know, I would think let's just say there's twelve colonies or there's thirteen colonies, let's say even by remote chance, they have only had 13 ships. So if all 13 ships took a picture, or had, they must have had data or a library or something before they left, because, you know, like data, basic data bank, right? Maybe they had, maybe they had Wikipedia, <laughs> their version of Wikipedia, right? You know, they must have had, you know, knowledge about their own planet before they left. Cool. Yeah. Here's an idea, and massive spoiler here, folks. So if you haven't watched the whole series, turn off five minutes. But here's an idea: when they find Earth, they renounce all the technology, and they started again. What if whatever forced them to leave Cobalt made them wipe the slate clean and start again? It's all happened before. It's all happened again. Exactly. The show, the show is all about cycles. Yeah, you know what? It, that just never even occurred to me. Then it would make perfect sense why they would only have pictures because it's what someone remembered, and that's what they wrote down, and that's what they painted. Yep. So, well reasoned. Now we've done the cycle. Welcome back for those of you who didn't want to be spoiled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're cycling, man. We're cycling, man. Uh, so, basically, as we say, they send three raptors out. Uh, Cylons are there, the raptors get heat, one jumps back. And one fleet, one gets blown up, and one oh, is basically spiraling down. The one with actual regular series actors on it. Yeah, which reminds me completely of the Family Guy Star Wars movie when he says, "We got five of the main actors here, we're going to be fine." <laughs> <laughs> I like. There's one shot when that raptor was was going down towards the planet out of control because a bullet. This random bullet, well, not random, it was being shot at, but this bullet just happened to go through the windshield into the pilot, to kill the pilot. And it was uh, Baltar sitting right behind the pilot, and yet they had to go and seal a hole in the back of the cabin so that the air would stop leaking out, but they yeah, didn't seal yeah. the hole on, the, on the, uh, the windshield, and yet Baltar didn't get shot. Yeah, I'm protected from on high. Mm. Didn't six get? He's the hand of God. Because doesn't he actually turn around and say, "You saved my life." Yes. He's lying in the ground and. Hold on, I'll fast forward. (laughs) 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 Well, we're we're moving into basically part two of the same stories. We're moving into uh, Cobble's Last Gaming Life, part two. But before we move into part two, we have to round off part one, which is Rosalind plants a seed in Starbuck's head. And that seed is Adama's life too. I want you to steal that sheep, go and get the arrow of destiny, bring it back to me so we can find her. Yeah, because it's Apollo's arrow, isn't it? Yeah. And why she gets her to do it is to tell her to her face that he's been lying to you all this time. Yeah, because, well, she had to because she's saying, I need this arrow to find Earth. And she's like, but we don't need it. The old man knows where Earth is. And she's like, well, no, that's just a lie. <laughs> so she couldn't really <laughs> say anything else without sort of admitting that. 
because yeah, she's just not going to do what she wanted, which was to steal the Cylon uh, Raider and take it back to Caprica. Yeah, and that's that's the end of part one, which is Starbuck telling him on a private channel, I know you lied to me, I'm going to do what Rosling wants, and he jumps away, and Adama puts it all together and realises that Rosling's behind it all, which yeah. leads us neatly into number two, where Adama is now. But don't forget, don't forget, subplot is they have those three RF beacons that they found, the Cylon ones. Oh, she, yeah. Kara has one of those beacons in the Raider along with a nuke. No, she doesn't have a nuke. Yeah, she's put, she should have a nuke at this point. No, she didn't have the nuke. No, 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 she, she, she was going to a test but run. She, it was just a test flight. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And yeah, just, so, so, just so she's everyone got, she's knows... She's got the transponder, but no nuke. Yeah, just so everyone knows, I was wrong. Gaius Baltar was not standing behind the pilot. It was Chief Tyrrell that was standing behind the pilot. Gaius Baltar was in the co-pilot seat in the front. So she, uh, Six did not make her move. No. But well, again, well, the bullet as, went as through the windshield. Through the... Baltar runs to the back of the ship and cries. Yeah. Yeah. Because like uh, the scene that you're talking about, Steve, uh, Midnight, uh, was when they crashed down in this episode that we're on now, part two. We find them on the planet. Everyone's out of the, the crashed Raptor, and it's on fire except for Baltar. And, you know, she has this is the dress, you know, a couple weeks ago when I said, remember that thing on the electric that sticks right out? You know, we have this moment, you know, I have this moment in, you know, a later on episode of six. Well, this is that this is that episode. She's wearing that weird white dress and she's like so angelic and puts her hand out. Just take my hand, guys. Take my hand and the fire will magically disappear. And then, yeah, the lieutenant pulls him out. That's the part where what he's talking about that she saved his life. There you go. In a white dress. In a white dress. In a white dress that doesn't get fire damage. That has no. It's fire retardant. It's fire retardant, yeah. Just like Trip's underwear. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And there we go. And... <laughs> hey, we went through the whole hour without making any other references. No, actually, that that's quite novel for us. Yeah. You see, I'm just gonna spoil alert. I don't even watch this show. You know, I don't know anything about Battlestar Galactica. The only reason why I'm here is just to make references to other sci-fi shows. That's my whole job. Yeah. That's what I was hired on. Colin like called me up. Hey man, is Dan what's going on? I was like, Oh enough, man, it's chilling. Hey man, you wanna be like on my show? And I'm like, uh, I, I I don't know, what do I do? He says, well, you don't have to do anything. Just say random stuff about other shows just to totally muck up my show. I'm like, well, why would I do that? And he goes, it's because it's you. I'm like, oh, okay, makes sense. I just thought you turned up. I don't even want to buy it. <laughs> no, well, it's just, it's, basically, his, his wife says, can you give him something to do? <laughs> so, I can have a, you know, so I can have a bit of peace and quiet for an hour. And I said, yeah, we'll, we'll, keep him. we'll keep him busy for an hour. So. <laughs> So I was, must have been sleeping last week. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Da, da, da. Hey, Where were we? Where were we? Cobalt last gleaming light. <laughs> Before we move on to part two real quick, I want to give a shout out to my favorite scene from part one, which is uh, Lee goes to Starbuck to confront her about Baltar and she hits him in the face and she just hits her right back. 
Yeah. Oh, God, I, remember, I remember watching that the first time and thinking, yes, this is awesome. There's none of that. I wouldn't hit a girl crap. It's just bam, bam. Right. One after the other. Right in the uh, nose, too. And she doesn't bleed. No. Well, not just that. You've got all the other personnel just standing around in the background that just think, yeah, it's Polo and Starbucks. They don't. They just yeah, look. This is normal. <laughs> they don't do a thing. They don't rush yeah. going, oh, break it up. <laughs> they just stand there going, oh, they're out of it again. Yeah, yeah but can you, can you imagine doing somebody doing that today? Everybody would be on their phones going, OMG. Oh, yeah, that'd oh be all over God, she has bigger butt. No, wrong, wrong thing. Uh, just so everyone knows, the reason why he did that is because when the raptor that did escape came back and reported to Battlestar Galactica that there were Cylons there. So then they did this little boardroom meeting. They had a big chair, or sorry, a big table, and everyone sitting around it. And, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, his second-in-command, uh, Colonel Ty said that Starbuck has a plan that she wants to put, you know, one of those transmitters and a nuke in the Raider and then fly over to the base, the base star and blow it up. And then like, Lee's like, what, Era? And then he runs off and does this whole scene. Like, you talk to me, I'm the king. You talk to me first and then I'll tell them. You don't blow them off my head. Yeah, if I see this is really Yeah, but you know what it was really about though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's subtext. He's subtext. He's still pissed. How? Yeah. Yeah. He's quanky. So much but you're right. That was, that was the uh, the excuse for him to yell at her. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so what say, he was now, really if Troy could have done that with Shelby, that would be a whole different ballgame. Say that again? Why <laughs> couldn't Shelby when Shelby was over his head? He's throwing in a reference to another show. Uh, so, I'm doing your job, Sunday. I'm sorry. I totally went over my head. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so part two. I was thinking of the sub, the sub. When you said that, I was thinking of the subcontext because I didn't quite think about that until Drogan said it. So when I thought about the subcontext, I was actually thinking what the argument really was, which was really, "Hey, you slept with another guy. You didn't sleep with me." So that's why he was, yeah. I didn't yeah, think that's, about that's that. why he chewed the right. Yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, and I have to give her props though. This is the first time that we see her drinking, but it was actually water. <laughs> we never see her drink. Although we did else. check, did you notice he did check it was water when he took it off? And he had a look. Yeah, he did check it was water. Yeah, he, he did. It's water. So part two, we have. Adama basically um, telling Rosalind that she has to stand down. And Rosalind says, get stuffed. So he basically tells Colonel Kai and Lee, get up a strike force and take Colonial One. Yeah. And he didn't actually declare martial law, though. No. no he did yet. say, yeah, he did say the JML transmissions because they had this little phone call at the end of the last episode and beginning of this one. Basically, you know, hey, Laura, what's up? She goes, like, what's up, man? She goes, did you, like, tell Kara Thrace to, like, steal the sh ship and then go and do stuff that she wasn't supposed to do because it wasn't authorized? And she's like, yep. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to tell you to stand down. And she's like, nope. And he's like, why? And she's like, 
Well, I got a bunch of reporters here listening to you right now, so you can do whatever you want, but we're gonna be like staying here. And he's like, crap. So she has a re uh, the whole conversation that they had, she put over the wireless in her room at the office so all the reporters could, you know, dilly down everything that's going on. But he also asked Colonel Ty. He had, he had like a respect because he asked Colonel Ty put on the other headset so he could be witness to this conversation. He didn't just broadcast it through the whole freaking ship. He just had just Colonel Ty there. And that was like a, yeah. But I st the one bit I didn't get is given the situation that they're in, he's still worried about the press. You know, yeah, I know, right? 50,000 humans fleeing an army behind them. Oh, by the way, we can't upset the press. Yeah, and we're the ones with the guns. <laughs> yeah, and, and even though the press are there and all they can do is record, it, it goes ahead and boards them anyway. So, you know, what but difference the does the press make anyway? worried because of what's happened previously. So we know that the fleet rely on them, but they also rely on the fleet, even if it's just fuel and things like that. So if all the civilians get too pissed off that he's basically becoming a dictator, then... Yeah, that will cause trouble for Galactica. Yes, they have yeah. guns, but yeah, but the thing is, they've done that story before. <laughs> yeah, but he's worried about the press. Not yet. He goes, "Oh, the press," but he's boarding the ship anyway, so the press is going to know anyway. Yeah, but, you know, so he's still he's thinking in terms of over public. the phone to yeah. Rosley that the press might hear. It's not going to make that much difference when you're going to send men over with guns. Yeah, but he's they not... might have time to talk to. You know, to get the story out. Yeah, he's not average. Not because he's blocked though. all communication. Uh, he blocked all communication, so the story's not going to get mm. out either way. Sure. But eventually, he has to let them go because the press had nothing to do with the whole thing, right? So eventually, it's going to get it's going to get out. But the thing is, that's just his character. He's not Admiral Kane. Now, if we had to swap out uh, Adama for Admiral Kane, which will meet her in a couple seasons later on, you know, she's batshit crazy. She shot her own. Uh, yes. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> she shot her own. Okay, guys, the the show is ten years old. You should know already. <laughs> and if you don't know, sorry. But she shot her own XO right in the middle of CIC. Yeah, if this was her, she would have just blue colonial one out of the sky. Yeah, she just would have like just trashed it right there. Well, no, she would have she would have kept the ship. You know, it has to has the FPL drive. She's totally would have got the ship stormed and just like murderized everybody there. And anyone who's associated or even on the ship, it doesn't even matter if it's the janitor. He, w she would just like court-martial them or shot them up. Everyone on that ship would have been doomed, you know. But you know, Admiral Dama has a different—he's a different person, you know. No one else is accountable on that ship except for her, because she's the one that made the mistake. And which is later on in this episode, she's the only one that goes into the brig, which we'll get. To. Yeah. Yeah. So the other I thing, think the other he's thing a good man. Happened. Yeah, there's a lot of things, like the last episode, like the, like the first part of it, the second part of it, there's lots of things going on at the same time as well. Because why the boarding party is going over, um, then Sharon on Galactica gets sent to do what Starbucks should have done. Yeah, yeah but she also got trigger that. happy before that. Yeah, and, but the irony of sending a Cylon to kill the Cylons and the Cylon that you're saying to kill the Cylons is wrestling with the fact that she might be a Cylon is, is a nice little twist in the plot especially yeah. given like that ship seems to be completely run by <laughs> all Sharons 
All no. naked shadows. All naked shadows. Yeah. So, but the strategically placed shadows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, actually, when think about it now, actually, when the when the first one appears, she's not in the shadows. She just walks around the corner. Well, no, there is a lot of them that walk around the corners completely in the in the light. Yeah. So you can see that they're totally naked, yet you can't make any details. Yeah, because it's so that I think far those back. ones. Yeah, I think those ones are in body suits. Oh, yeah, maybe. For sure. Yeah, because yeah, you don't sure. really see. You know, I wonder how many geek boys out there. You know, took screen caps and try to zoom in. So. Zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. know, the ones but Ronald Ronald Lee Moore wouldn't know and put them in body suits so nothing gets yeah. seen. You know, we want to get these out on primetime TV and blah blah blah. Yeah. So. But the ones that actually come up that are headshots, you know, the shadow is obviously below the neckline, and there's a couple that actually, you uh, that kneel. There's one that kneels down to a bomb later on, and you can tell she's naked, but you know she probably because of the shadows, because of the probably the artificial shadows, maybe they yeah. overlaid some stuff. Maybe she was just wearing a thong or something that kept her bits covered, and then they put those shadows over top because you can tell it is her leg, her arm, her butt, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and some poor bloke have to digitally copy all them shadows. Yeah. Yeah, all them naked shadows. Who said he's a bloke? He uh, photocopied them all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Who said he was poor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today we want you to copy these Sharon's over and over and over again. Oh, by the way, she's naked. <laughs> Result. <laughs> I think I'll volunteer Nerd for that Adam. one, Chief. Uh, yeah, but that basically, well, we might as well do that storyline now because we've done this. So yeah, basically, Sharon takes the mission, uses the transponder, gets onto the base star. Um, the new quote by us that they have to fly into the base star, which is when we get a wonderful look inside the base star. First look, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, first look. And it's it's brilliant Same. the way they did it. Absolutely brilliant. You can't really tell if they built it or if it's grown because it's like organic and um electronic. Of course it's completely different to what we see of the inside of the ship in series four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this one, this one. Yeah, they had a lot of time to. It's the very first time, the very first set they built, you know. And well, there's one thing you find about. landing bay in that, isn't it? So I suppose it would be. <laughs> yeah, it could be different from the rest of the ship. Can you just imagine uh, Ronald Moore? Hey, guys, uh, can you uh, can you uh, draw me up a Cylon parking garage? Hello, we need a garage here. Someone give me a garage shot. Okay, let's put some crazy shit all over the place. Don't worry, we're never going to use it again. <laughs> But it was brilliant. I mean, even the floor she was walking on was like a membrane. It was just—it was brilliant the way they did it. Honestly, it looked like something that was taken out of the alien movies. You know how the aliens yeah, with the that spinal resin column on the in the spinals, yeah. Because you see yeah. the different tubes of, of power lines and everything with loom on the power lines, and and then this membrane is like laced over a lot of it, so you can see through it, see around it, touch it. She pokes it with her gun. Which is weird. Yeah, that was that was a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just walk up the wall. Poke it with your gun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> that would be the last thing I'd poke it with. I I'd, I'd poke it with my finger before I poked it with my gun because it could totally take off my hand, but I'd have my gun to blast it. You know. Then <laughs> uh, yeah, and then obviously the the Sharon. I don't know. There was about a hundred of them, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Go walk up to her and tell her that I love her and you're one of us, and she basically goes into meltdown. And she's a five, right? Her model number is five, right? I think so. Yeah. I thought she was an eight. I think it's eight. Yeah, I think yeah. it's eight, yeah. She's an eight, yeah. Because, yeah, because six, six makes a reference to the number eight being overly emotional. Yeah, broken, but they always get the job done. Yeah. Yes, she is number eight. Yeah. Uh, They're lovely little frackers. The good, the good-looking blondes are number sixes. Um, the little officious guy from the uh, uh, miniseries is number Darryl. five. Yeah, Daryl. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, number four. Leoben. What's Leoben? Leoben is number two. Oh no! Wouldn't the original? Are you sure? Because I thought the. Yeah. Okay. He's no, there's just twelve models altogether, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Number one is Cavill, of course. Cavill, yeah. Number three is uh, Lucy Lawless. Is Xena Warrior Princess? Yes. Xena yeah. Toaster Princess. Toaster Princess. <laughs> yeah. It should have been in it more, but I couldn't because she had other commitments, so they got round up for a nice little storyline, but there you go. And then they have the only black guy. Mm-hmm. The only he's, black guy. He's number four. He's four. Don't they have one Cylon model that was decommissioned because it was like batshit crazy? That's number seven. Yeah. Which one? Which one was that one again? Only known as Daniel. That's the only. They only ever. Yeah. They had to Daniel. They had to yeah. box them. Yeah, box the whole model. But yeah. And then of course the final five, which you know, if you don't know who those are by now, you'll find out. Yeah. Xander will tell you before the end of the show. Probably. So, anyway. It was two uh, girls, a guy, and a pizza place. Yeah! So, anyway, the the Sharons let Sharon blow them up, basically. They let her do it. Yeah, well, they go, we'll be alright, because, of course, they know that they'll just complete her mission, yeah. Yeah, they'll just let Not before they stroked. The forty-pound nuclear warhead. Yes, they stroked the warhead before they got blown up. Ooh, it's so pretty. It was so pretty. pretty. But that a machine, and that's a machine. So you know, you just appreciate it. good engineering. That's it. Yeah, yeah. it just and it just happens to be phallic shaped. <laughs> so Nike <laughs> so Sharon goes up and strokes a phallic symbol. There you go. Uh-huh. And this was prompt on TV. Uh, Again, like I said, they're lovely little frackers, aren't they? Lovely little frackers, yeah. The, this is what you can get away with. Yeah, but only what you well, get. as number six says, they get they get the job done. <laughs> yeah. So that happens. She blows up. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, the Legion meanwhile, of Doom. the boarding party has cut through the hall, and we have a standoff between uh, Roslyn's security team, who we've never seen before and never yeah. see after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and marines my money's on the marines oh, oh yeah <laughs> there's like eight of marines and three security guards and they had like the smallest guns ever like if you could make a really small gun these guys had a smaller yeah and it, as we all know from multiple airplane movies it's always a good idea to shoot a gun in a pressurized container mm-hmm. and yes. this pressurized container happens to be in space yes <laughs> Did we, so, did we mention that the Marines had bigger guns? They had bigger guns. This yeah. is actually the first time Wait, we see their new guns. Entirely good in a close quarter environment. Yeah. 
But this yeah. is the first time we see the new Battlestar Galactica weapons. Uh, we, we, we know the handguns. There's two different types of handguns uh, that the pilots have. If you remember the miniseries. Actually, that's funny. The miniseries, uh, Hilo has a different gun in the miniseries than he does in the actual series because his gun is black and smaller than the original gun that he had in the miniseries, which I totally forgot. I just remember now. It actually had a, like a wooden handle, a uh, wooden foregrip on it uh, that was like wood color. And then this one, it's it's smaller and it's black. Two totally different guns. But if anyone remembers the, te uh, the uh, team that went in with Kara during um, the mission where they uh, where Tom Zarek took over the prison ship, remember that scene? Yeah. Well, yep. she she's the best shot in the fleet. This is like you know ten episodes ago. Um, she the gun that she used was a P90 with a silencer on it. That's one of our current weapons right now. That's like one of the lead weapons that's used all over NATO and the United Nations is the P90. And Stargate uses it. Uh, the later seasons, I think after season four. And okay, use the P90. Well, it, it's it wasn't me. It was them. They used a P90, right? And it's in this episode that we actually see for the first time Battlestar Galactica's actual their battle, their version of their own battle rifle. And this is the rifle that they'll use throughout the rest of the of the uh, series. Yeah. And in this particular scene, it is actually, actually blows a hole in the hole. Is it really? I didn't know that. It is. It's um, a Beretta CX-4. Wow. Oh, okay. There you go. It all happened before. We'll build I, it again. Yeah. So Beretta I had to look up what it, I had rolls. to look up what it was. I, I knew it was a real world weapon. I had to look up what it actually was. Go Beretta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so be, we'll wrap this up and then we'll jump to do the two storylines. Because basically what happens here is Lee turns against his dad's orders because he this is wrong and he sides with the president which causes everyone to stand down but no one actually pulls the trigger uh, but it ends up with Lee getting arrested because he pulls a weapon on tie yeah so he basically gets charged with mutiny hmm. what exactly good he thought he was going to do there I don't know you know I don't think so either no probably he didn't know either no but he did say I think it was the beginning of the previous episode he did uh, his father said you don't lose control you have to lose your in you have to use your instincts and he's he said to Ty to tell his dad that he's following his instincts yeah yeah totally. when he pulled the weapon on Ty yeah and then we have him being escorted back to uh, the command room uh, at the same time that Boomer and her co-pilot coming to the into the command room uh, and then basically Boomer probably from something that was planted on the base star when they touched the face or whatever when they took the helmet off hmm. probably triggered something and she shoots a dummer well it, she knew something bad was going to happen because it was said right at the beginning of the first episode I keep feeling like I'm going to do something bad I'm going to hurt somebody yeah 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 and the funny thing is, before she even went on the trip, Adama visited her in her quarters with half her face blown off. He sits down on the bed next to her. So she had plenty of time, you know, she had ample opportunity just to whip it out and yeah. whack him right there. Which is why I think something happened on the base star. 
Yeah. Because well, they took her point, helmet off and touched her face. At the point that he went to visit her, she's resting. So she didn't just have a weapon with her. Is I took that, not that. It would have been the best time. Yeah, but she's had a lot of opportunities to kill him. But I had a thought. Because the whole... Yeah, I know, right? The whole time I sat there from a, from a military or even a personal uh, stance on that whole scene... I looked at her as like, oh my god, I would not trust her. She just she just blew half her face off. She's trying to commit suicide. It's obvious. How do you just like forget to leave your you know gun off? No, safety? no, she left the safety off. Yeah, she left the safety off and she randomly pointed a gun towards her face when she was cleaning her gun. You know, like even me, but I don't even think someone could pull that off in the real world, you know, without having some kind of you know, sit down with a therapist. So to me, mm. I'm thinking that, yeah, that, like, like maybe like a subplot, or maybe in Adama's mind, he's thinking, okay, she already wants to off herself, and we have no, uh, we have no way of knowing if these transmitters even work. So she could just fly right up to the base star, and the base star would just blow her out of the sky. We have no idea if this is actually works the way that we think it works. So let's send a person that wants to die anyway. Well, the reason I wanted to wrap that up is because I wanted to jump to, uh, before we go to the cowboy bit, I wanted to jump to Caprica. Because what gets me is basically uh, Starbuck makes it to Caprica. Uh, she does one some s- seriously good parking outside the museum. I mean, she, you know, she puts it at the bottom of the steps. That's good parking. Yeah, on those three rocks that's down yeah. there. And three- she goes in to get the arrow. And six is there, mm-hmm. which goes well, back to what Drogon then, said. Yeah, how many people back... knows the cameraman when she goes to shoot? The yeah, it's in the, he's in the display case. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't noticed it, go just before um, she shoots it. There's a guy in either it looks like an orange t-shirt <laughs> that's sitting there with a camera. <laughs> yeah, he's the one actually filming her from behind as she shoots. The <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, they forgot to play that bit out. Yeah. Okay, all these uh, things you, you can imagine, though, just how much work they must have to go to to avoid reflections. And, you know, the one time it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But this, this this goes into what Drogon says about all the first time again, because she's there waiting for them, so she knows they found Colbo, so she they know they're going to come for the arrow. So, and then they let um, Boomer blow up the base star, which is nothing to them, because they could just grow another one. Mm. Um... And so then you get the thinking, well, is all this part of their plan? They was at Colbot. They let them find Colbot. Then they're suddenly at Colbot, so they was obviously watching Colbot. They know then that they're going to come for the arrow, or they're going to send someone to try and get the arrow. So Six is waiting for someone to come and get the arrow, which then leads them to reuniting Hilo and his shadow, you know. And it's all these threads suddenly being pulled together, and it's almost as if the Solons are like, you know, pulling strings on puppets. But that's just mm. my thing. That's just my theory. That's possible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if not, it's the biggest coincidence in the history that Hilo just happens to go to the museum when he should be looking for a spacecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's like Patrick Stewart in First Contact, you know, when he finds the Phoenix. Yeah. Well, no, I think I think you're right. I think there was a master plan because both Sharon's knew 
Yeah, like the Sharon, obviously the Sharon that's on Earth, or sorry, Earth, yeah. Uh, Caprica was leading him, brought him to there because that's the only way to get off the planet because she knows someone's going to be back to that arrow. And all of a sudden, boom, predestination paradox. Here comes Carathrace. Yeah, all this has happened before. Yeah. Uh -huh. Happened again. Well, I can't figure out how come someone just didn't make a random arrow. <laughs> why did why did they have to go back and get that one? It's probably made of something. Yeah, it's touched by the gods. It's touched by something. Yeah. They they just didn't happen to have the right measurements on file. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's... the three day printer was offline. There you go. <laughs> but we do get uh, six and and Starbuck having a brilliant catfight. Yeah, after she shoots up the whole place. Yeah, with Hilo's gun the from the miniseries. Which <laughs> seems to be able to go through concrete you can see sunlight. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and it's just like, okay, so a weapon like that will take out big chunks of wall, but yet it will do very little damage to the side of Darren's face. Yeah, because she shoots it at a marble statue, goes through the statue, it makes a hole <laughs> through the wall the cement wall and you can see daylight after the statue falls yeah that's gonna just it's 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 too powerful to go through her face so it's just gonna make it this little tiny hole and then the rest of her face will be fine but I'm i think as far as those pistols go there's different ammo for those pistols because they they mention in uh spoilers uh the early part of season two that they need explosive ammo to get the uh, Silent Centurions, and I think that's m must be what Elo kind of has. Yeah, and thinking about it, if you look at the scene where, because I'm doing it in there, yeah, if you look at the scene where Apollo pulls his gun on Colonel Ty, there's two barrels. The upper and the lower, yeah. Yeah. I think the lower one's a flare one, because in the miniseries, again, when Elo goes and shoots, uh, shoots straight up in the air, it doesn't, it has a little puff of smoke, and you can see the, almost like see a flare come out. It looks totally different than an actual bullet coming out. You know what I mean? I think that's there's what there, he used. There's bound to be some early show inconsistencies. Yeah, but it was a couple of like shows. Uh, the M16, the rocket launcher underneath, could be like a handheld version of that. Yeah, but anyway. So, so anyway, Starbuck kills six by basically diving on top of her and, and puts a rebar yeah, through her through her chest. And uh, Hilo runs down and then she basically Starbuck sees Sharon and thinks for a few seconds, hey, can you be here? And then puts it together a lot quicker than Hilo did and tries to shoot her. Now, I have to say the girl that plays Six, uh, gosh, I forgot her name already. Trisha Helford. Trisha Helford. Oh, my God. She is. She's a supermodel. That's all she. That's all really she was before this. She's a supermodel. Yeah, this was the very first bit of acting uh -huh. they did. So one more and that they led her and how she should be acting and everything else. Yeah. So that's she's just a glorified one. Well, I can't. I, I shouldn't say that because that that's like uh that's not really true. Uh, you're right. No, this is her first acting job. So she was just a she was just a model before. They want someone really good looking to play six. So, and then, yeah, she kept on going throughout the series. You know, she's really good at acting, you know, uh, the oh, yeah. different pieces that she does. I was really impressed in this episode because there was one a couple episodes back where they, uh, her and Daryl were on top of the building 
and they beat up Sharon, uh, Caprica Sharon, so that she looked well beat up, but like she got escaped and stuff like that, so he would fall in love with her. So they did that, but it was only a couple punches. In this one here, she went full on, uh, you know, wrestling on Kara. Side kicks, like uh, she almost did like a roundhouse once. She really did some really cool fight scenes in this one. But um, Grace Park was a model as well. I didn't know that one. Yeah, Grace Park was a model as well. She started out as a model as well. So, but obviously, she didn't do any roundhouse kicking. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if she gets any good fight scenes in the rest of the show. Yeah. It's yeah. The Sharon's um, come into their own in, in a few episodes, Tom, and then they they just they add so much to the story. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, and then Patricia jump... Helper have to give her props for this fight scene. Yeah, it was a really good fight scene, really well put together, really well acted, totally believable. Uh, it was nice to see um, the fact that it was, you know, a human fighting a machine. Obviously, the human's not going to do very well. You yeah. know, it, it wasn't the fact that Starbuck, even when Starbuck did get a few punches in all that, six just basically breathe. just like, is that it? Is that the best you got? Yeah. She didn't bleed at all. Like I'm watching the scene right now. They're at, like right up to the end where she, uh, Kara, throw uh, her and her go off that ledge into the floor down below. There is not a drop of blood on six, but Kara is all bloodied right up. Yeah, from where from the repeated beatings. Yeah, uh, and then we jump back to what's been going on at Cobalt, uh, which is why when we were saying a couple of episodes ago about how people have got really bad handles for the flight names and basically crash down has crashed yeah <laughs> yeah i can it, 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 is it okay if we just go back just one step for a second i just had a i just had a like a little bit of a thought maybe the reason why six is such good fighting is because she's more of a infiltration sabotage assassin assassin um yeah that makes one, sense yeah because We've seen her infiltrate. She's the one that we see the most infiltrating. Uh, you know, in the beginning at the peace station, she's the one that goes there. She's the one that had the mission, Caprica 6, that goes to Caprica. Uh, maybe, And we see her in different other spots. She's the one that infiltrates and assassinates people or kills them. That's maybe that's why she's such really, she's really good at, you know, the combat parts. Where actually I've never seen any of the other models do anything. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And uh, while we while we jump about there, um, Steve commented a couple of episodes ago about the podcasts, and Ronald D. Moore does say in podcast about this episode that they didn't use stunt doubles. That's actually the two actresses doing the whole fight scene. Yeah, and he, I would have to guess. I mean, it's not like I know her personally or anything, but if you're if you're fighting against Katie Sackoff, she's probably going to say come at me don't pull your punches <laughs> yeah yeah she just would, seems like that type yeah yeah I, I do know that um Vin Diesel when I was doing the Riddick films uh Katie Sackhoff actually said to him I'm not doing this role if you're going to treat me like a woman <laughs> yeah. so that's her mentality so I didn't like anything to her at the end though uh, yeah she was such a strong character in the Riddick movie and then she just just like flopped out at the end yeah she yeah she went off he's so dreamy yeah he's such a lovely <laughs> a lovely type 
instead. Mm. Yeah. After I've shot him three times. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where Racetrack got her name. Oh, I don't know. Well, we know where Crashdown gets his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they all get their name for some reason. They like that's the different thing with like uh, pilots and call signs. They always get their name, their call sign for some reason. I have no idea. Oh, uh, Husker Adama got his name because he was from a corn farm, pretty much. Whatever. He's a Husker. That that's what his uh, first call sign. Yeah, co-pilot thought he was from anyway. Yeah, we find that out later on. It's yeah. And he just sorry. You start to get to like it. Yeah, and then yeah. like Apollo. I'm not even sure how he got his name. Boomer, one can only speculate on the, at this point, knowing from what we know of Sharon. And then, like, Racetrack. Yeah, I wonder where she got hers. Crashed down. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, he yeah. must have, at some point, crashed down. And that's why he's the second. He's the co-pilot, not the actual pilot. <laughs> that's probably it. Or as in a, in a plane, if, you were, if we were watching uh, Top Gun, he would be the Rio. Not the I think at some point, don't they say that Boomer got her nickname because she kept she always landed too hard? Yeah, she always banged it down so she went boom when she landed. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, on the on the planet had crashed. Voltar is signed by six, as we said earlier. Uh, we don't find out crash down isn't much of an officer no. because basically the chief is the one that comes up with all your ideas. And then he gets frustrated and starts kicking stuff like little pouty little two-year-old boy. Yeah. But I wanted to come up with that thought. What the thing is, he has no experience, does he? Whereas the chief, he has. Yeah. Yeah, but he should still have military training. So survival training. Yeah. Well, he's an officer. Yeah, and he, he does, but he, he has no, like, practical combat experience. No. And I can't really see... Depending on Chief's track record or his his record in the service, I can't even really fathom the Chief having, you know, I can, maybe I can chop it up. It would make more sense to be the chopped up, maybe common sense. Because to me, I would think that way. Like, okay, we just crashed on a hostile planet. Let's get our shit together and make a, uh, you know, form, you know, some kind of a, you know, search grid. You know, make sure nothing's around here. Let's secure the area and then move out to find some shelter so that way we don't get blown up. But Chief, I don't think... Because he, he's a deckhand. He, he must have started off at some point as a deckhand and then became the Chief, you know, of, you know, the Chief Knuckle Dragger, what they call them on the show. The Chief Mechanic. You know, I, I can't see him having too much practical combat experience. But I think that he's smart in the fact that, okay, we're on this planet, it's hostile, there's a base star above us, let's let's hide, you know? Yeah, let's not stand by the big fire that's sending a smoke signal out. Exactly. Because the first thing that Crashdown wanted to do was take the transceiver and go up the top of a mountain. Hey, look at me, I'm over here! But then the other thing we've got, which is the thing that I mentioned earlier that I want to bring up now, is... For some reason, Baltar's been lying in the grass for an awfully long time. <laughs> and when he gets up, he's dry. Yeah, when he gets up, he's dry. And Six helps him up. And, and she's Six barefooted. Leads him by the arm. So he's walking with his arm outstretched across the field. And no one looks at him and thinks, why is he walking with his arm out in front of him? 
Exactly. They're all they're all used to his craziness by now. Craziness, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just Baltar. He's just like that. Yeah, I just thought it was because I was watching this scene thinking, okay, from their perspective, we're watching this scene without six, and that would look batshit crazy. <laughs> also, the way he got up, because she lifted him up. So, from their perspective, that would have been him basically going bolt up right on the on his heels. But the thing is, we forgot to mention it was either in one of these parts. We forgot to mention that when after shortly after he told off Rosalind and Six, he went into the bathroom. He had a bathroom scene where he was talking to Six that told him to get off of Galactica. And he like totally said, get stuff. And she like totally grabbed him by the back of the head and shoved his head into the yeah, mirror. Yeah, That's why he had that cut up. Yeah. Wasn't that where he spouts the line, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry? Yeah. 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 And knowing, knowing that we now know what she is, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, she is the one Cylon, the one Cylon model I would never want to mess with. She is no. the total femme fatale. You know, she could just dissect you. So, also, I can kill you with my brain. <laughs> I can. Or your brain, actually. I can make you head with a mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but so, when yeah. you're speaking of the, him, him walking. Uh, he walks to that. I think they said it was an opera house in the photos that they were looking at before. Uh, and I thought it was a temple. Is it an opera house? Or? It was yeah, an, opera an opera house. house. Yeah, yeah, it's an opera yeah. house, yeah. And then he With sees the that. Huh? With the Bible. Yeah. So he sees an opera house. Once he walks into the ruins, he actually sees the opera house. Now, this is dramatic foreshadowing to the fourth season, right? We don't, we know, I don't think. No, actually, we see this opera house quite a few times later on but you know for those you know without giving out any spoilers for those who see this for this this opera house for the first time remember this especially when they walk up, start to walk up the stairs and the cameras behind them and then they, sh they you don't actually see the cradle at first uh, but you see all these different uh, white things going up to the balcony above Remember this scene because this scene will will foreshadow will will be with us in every season sent after this. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I, oh yeah, totally. We're just pretending we don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do say in this episode that you know the new the offspring will be here later on. You know, we yeah okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we do see the like spoilers. Here, folks, but we do see this because this is where we see the final fight. Also, Hera. Yeah. So, um, so that's yeah, I wasn't actually going to say it. I wasn't going to say the final no, fight. No, no, you got to say. That's what I stopped. I stopped at that point. Yeah. But Remember it's not like scene? it's not like you see who they are. Yeah. No, no. You but you see. don't see the final. Yeah, exactly. You don't you, see you the see final like fight. Whited out visions of them. Just yeah, look like people standing above him, but you can't see who they are. That's in that's in season four, but you don't yeah. see the final five, the shadows or anything in this one. Uh, also, later on, was oh, that is that in season? Is that next season that he because he keeps having this vision? Uh, season four is when he he goes and has the vision of the final five, or it might be the end of season three, but it's definitely season four 
like this 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 place will be in season four like a lot because he'll see the final five up on the balcony. That's why I said remember it. Also, in the same balcony, Roslyn has those hallucinations. So doesn't Sharon, the later Sharon called Athena that we'll meet later on. Well, actually, we already know who she is. Yeah. Uh, when their baby's born, her and Hera, her Hera and Sharon and Six are in this, are in this this opera house and uh, on the balconies running around. In uh, I think it's season three. Oh yeah. No. Oh no, it's the spoilers gone left, right, and center. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything until you brought it up, and then I was like, "Oh crap! Okay, my we are you 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 went there. I stopped it. You know, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember this place. That's all I said." It is kind of strange, you know, when you're going back and, and thinking about a an episode in the very early parts of a TV show where you've you know it's been years, you've seen all of it, plus all the supplemental stuff that come after it, and you know, you know all the connections that are made back to this stuff. Yeah, it all makes sense eventually. So that's uh, a double episode wrapped up, basically. Which made sense to do it that way. Uh, any final thoughts? Everyone's either in jail or half dead. Yeah, just about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a great cliffhanger! Yeah, I know. Is I remember because I watched all these when they came out on TV. So of course, I was waiting each week, and of course. Yeah, this time it's just like oh wait months, and it's just like will Adama live? What? No, don't stop there. <laughs> it was oh. probably one of the best ones I've seen, uh, best uh, end of season cliffhangers I've seen. Absolutely, yeah. always living wanting more. So, Steve, where can people find you on the interwebs? They can find me on Twitter and most places on the internet at Midnight Shadow Seven, which is night spelled N-I-T-E and the number seven. Drogan. Best place to find me is on Twitter. It would be at Drogan, D R O G Y N 1701. And Xander. That would be the Xander Zones on Facebook and in Twitter. And you can also find me in your ear on just about any episode we have on the Hall Street Media Network. Yeah. And you I'm, say I'm... I get around. Hey, I only yeah. do three shows. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's networks, though. Yeah, well, technically, <laughs> I'm only a host on three shows, too. Okay. <laughs> anyway, folks, we'll be back in two weeks' time uh, where we'll start season two with Scattered. So until then, thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, and we'll speak to you soon. And I'll Take care, everyone. There you go. You can stop recording now. <laughs>